The epistle reading for this morning is taken from the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Rome, beginning in the 12th chapter at the 9th verse, and Paul wrote these things. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy and share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. So don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Oh God, prepare us for the journey of faith by granting us a beloved community that loves and prays for us. Send us on the journey of faith with the knowledge that when we love others, we know your love. When we do our part to seek justice, we find we are justified. When we live in peace with others, we find peace. Help us to know that the destination is the journey of faith, a constant ground of renewal and growth. And help us to be the beloved community to prepare others for the journey of faith by loving and praying for others and sending them into the world to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you. Amen. There's a story of a shipwreck that is very similar to the Tom Hanks film, The Castaway. A man was shipwrecked for several months on a deserted island, and then he finally attracted the attention of a passing ship, which sent a crew in a smaller boat to rescue him. And when the rescuers came ashore, they noticed that there were three huts. So they immediately assumed that there were additional castaways living on the island, but the man assured them that he was the only one on the island. Well, why three huts? Well, the first one, he said, is my house. The second hut, he said, is my church. And the third hut is the church that I used to go to. You know, learning to play nice is not only an admirable goal in sports and business, it's desirable as well in the Christian community. In our reading for this morning, Paul wrote that what might be thought of as last-minute instructions to the church living together in Rome. I think it's kind of like we, what we might do when our, we're on the way out of our door of our house 
Things like don't forget to feed the dog or remember to turn off the sprinkler and to take out the trash. And finally, he said, live in peace. Learn how to play nice. What exactly does that mean, live in peace? Well, perhaps we live in peace when we're deliberately sensitive to others. Bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. And share tears when they're down. You know, we all know people who are very bright. We know people who are really, really smart, but they lack common sense. They may know everything and yet do the dumbest things. And in relationships, being emotionally smart is often more important than being intellectually smart. Smart people may know things, but they don't necessarily know people. They may know facts, but they have difficulty reading the faces of others. A person with emotional intelligence is perceptive in reading the emotions of others by faithful expressions, vocal tone, body language. People with emotional intelligence can read people. And this verse, folks, is about reading people. It's about being sensitive to others. It's about picking up on anger and hostility, the sadness and joy of others, and then responding appropriately. And appropriate responses result in peace and harmony, and inappropriate responses result in disharmony and unrest. The text says, bless your enemies. When you sense hostility, be sensitive to that hostility and act in ways that soothe rather than inflame and exacerbate a situation. Laugh with your happy friends. When you're aware that another person is feeling blessed and happy, enter into their joy. It is so insensitive to rain on another person's parade. And share tears with your down friends. When you sense sadness, enter into that person's sadness. It's insensitive to laugh off sadness. You see, the Christian community is supposed to be a place where we work hard at reading the faces of others and responding in ways that bless rather than distress. Being deliberately sensitive to the moods and needs of others is important to living in harmony. It is also important that we be deliberate in not making distinctions between people. You see, we live in harmony when we just see people. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't try to be a great somebody. In his commentary on Romans, William Barclay described a scene from an early church record in which a man of wealth and influence became a Christian. And the following Sunday, when he came to church, the leader of the congregation showed him to a seat and said, please be seated in this place. And the man responded, I cannot sit here. If I sit here... I'll be sitting next to my slave. Again, the leader of the congregation asked him to be seated next to his slave, and again he protested, surely not next to my slave. But the leader insisted, and finally the man sat beside his slave, who turned and passed him the kiss of peace. 
That is what Jesus does. Jesus levels the field. Jesus erases social stigma. Jesus does not label people red or blue. Jesus sees people. Jesus would expect his church to look like a family. You know, when older Christians do not want to be with younger Christians, when younger Christians don't want to be with older Christians, the church of Jesus Christ cannot be a place of peace and harmony. Any bias related to race and ethnicity, gender, age, socioeconomic status, sexual orientation, or political persuasion disrupts the peace and harmony of the Christian community. And it is usually our pride and our preferences and our sense of privilege or entitlement that keeps us from living together as a loving and harmonious family. Now, I've been doing this a lot of years and I don't know very many Hallmark card types of families. Most families are like the ones described in Robert Frost's poem as a place where when you go there, they have to take you in. The community of faith or the body of Christ or the family of God is where everyone is welcomed, where everyone belongs, always. Now, living in peace and harmony with others is not easy. It takes effort. We live in harmony when we make every effort to live in peace with others. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Paul expects that Christians visibly live in peace and harmony with others. What people see us do is important. Christians not only need to be good, they need to look good. Living harmoniously and peaceful with everyone is a challenge, but we are urged to do all we possibly can to live in peace with everyone. And it takes a lot of work to build fruitful relationships. And then, even when we have finally built a strong relationship, we need to continue to work at it. Have you ever noticed how weeds still manage to pop up through the cracks in a rock-solid concrete sidewalk or driveway? Cultivating relationships is an ongoing effort. We will live in peace when we overcome evil with good and leave justice to God. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. And hear this. The problem with getting even is that when we vow to get even, we really are vowing to get more than even. And that is why Jesus taught that we can stop the cycle of vengeance by turning the other cheek when wronged. A mother heard her six-year-old son wailing in pain and she ran into the room only to see her two-year-old daughter was biting her brother's arm. And she quickly separated the two and explained to her six-year-old son that his little sister was just two and that she didn't know that it hurts to be bitten and then she left the room. But before she got too far, she heard her two-year-old scream out in pain. And rushing back into the room, her six-year-old son says, She does now. As followers of Jesus, one of the milestones we reach for is to get to the place where it becomes unimportant to hit back or to bite back. And here we are urged to keep thoughts of revenge at bay, 
Followers of Jesus do not entertain thoughts of vengeance or retaliation. To the contrary, the Christian thinks of ways to show kindness. When we stoop to evil, we've not overcome evil with good, but evil has overcome good. As followers of Jesus, we may be coming from different perspectives and places, but we are all heading together in the same direction. So how we come together without clashing and crashing into others is really, really important. The church is to be a place where we travel together without the clashing of egos, without horn honking, and without road rage. It's a place where we move along being considerate of and in harmony with others who are all on the same road with us. It is a place where, hopefully, we can learn how to play nice. Amen.